Hi, friends. It's Ann West. We are still recording this podcast via Zoom. For some reason, in my conversation with Dr. Cobb that follows, his voice came through at a much lower volume than mine. Of course, some people might say that that's because I'm naturally a loud talker. Despite this, I made the decision to go ahead and release this episode anyway. The information that Dr. Cobb shares on ticks, brown tail moths, and acupuncture is vitally important. I appreciate you bearing with us during this time. Good morning, friends. It's Ann West, Executive Director of the Island Health and Wellness Foundation, and we're back with another episode of the Just for the Health of It podcast. The following is a conversation that I had with Dr. Timothy Cobb, primary care provider at Northern Light Primary Care Stonington. Again, as usual, this is not intended to serve as any type of specific medical or healthcare advice. It's just for educational purposes. And if it's anything like last time, we'll have a little fun too. So Dr. Cobb, this is your second time on the show. Welcome back. Listeners, if you haven't heard Dr. Cobb's first episode, pause this one right now and go back. I think it was episode three. Um, We discuss what the DO means after his name, what osteopathic manipulation therapy is, and how Dr. Cobb came to live and practice medicine on an island here in Maine. Today, though, we're going to focus on a couple of specific areas, Um, ticks, brown tail moths, and acupuncture. I know that sounds really random. We're going to talk ticks and brown tail moths because of the prevalence of them in Maine this year. Um, A few weeks ago, I actually interviewed Griffin Dill uh, from the University of Maine Cooperative Extension on how to prevent ticks and what to do if one bites you. And I'm hoping Dr. Cobb can talk further about tick bites from a medical perspective. And even just in the last couple of weeks, it seems like everybody's talking about brown tail moths. So we'll touch on that as well. The second area we're going to talk about is acupuncture. Dr. Cobb, in addition to his responsibilities at Island Medical Center, has been pursuing a certification in acupuncture medicine over the past year. He hopes to incorporate acupuncture into his primary care practice. So we'll find out more about what that involves and um, we'll have a great conversation today. So welcome back, Dr. Cobb, and let's launch right into the podcast. Tell us in your own words who Dr. Timothy Cobb is. Um, I guess just a small town kid from Indiana who's decided to finally, well, I don't know, decided finally, but has made it to becoming a doctor um, and moved to Maine. Um, It took a little while, uh, you know, if they listened to the previous podcast, you know, I was a well driller uh, in college, an electrician, a truck driver, a nurse, an EMT, and then finally a physician, so... And now I'm an acupuncture training physician. So <laughs> always learning, always uh, broadening my, my horizons. And, you know, and I've come to rest here in Maine and, and really enjoying my time here so far and hope to make it a lot longer time here in Maine and in Deer Isle. I love that. So I don't know if it's an official term, but you are a horizon broadener. We'll call you that. I love it. That's a perfect summary of who you are. So speaking of moving to Maine, how are you and your family enjoy, enjoying Maine so far? Really well. I, you know, I'm sure it's probably a little different than, you know, we moved during 
the brunt of COVID. So, you know, things are probably a little different than if we had moved a, a year ago, but every, all of that said, you know, things have been really, really good and everybody's loving it. Excellent. And our listeners can't see you right now, but your backdrop is incredible. It's, it's like the perfect island backdrop. So you've obviously found the right space. There's water, there's trees, it's, it's got it all. So you, you've definitely got the best of the islands. Um, switching gears a little bit, since you're, we're looking at views of the outside, let's talk about ticks and brown tail moths. Um, did you have ticks and or brown tail moths like this in Indiana where you moved from? Brown tail moth, no. Ticks, yes, but not to the extent here. Um, you know, very rarely, we almost never had anybody come to the office for ticks during my residency. And then even growing up, you'd maybe find, you'd find them more on your, on your dog than, than yourself. If you did find one, it, you know, they're a little, the little bigger dog ticks or, um, and, and nobody ever talked about Lyme. So, and I think that's the main thing people worry about here in Maine when we talk about ticks, it's more Lyme disease than anything. Exactly. Have you, um, had a lot of appointments this spring for tick bites, for brown tail moths. What have you been seeing? Yeah, I mean, early March, there was a, a fairly rash uh, amount of tick bites. Um, early March and late March, um, you know, one week I had, or one day I had two people both with, with embedded ticks in their necks. So it was, and that was, that was surprising. Of course, this is my first full year here in, in Maine. So um, I, I was started in July. So I'm, yeah, July. So um, it wasn't, hadn't expect, hadn't had it much experience in, in March, but it seemed pretty early for them to be coming out um, and they were pretty aggressive. Um, but lately, yeah, it's all been about the brown tail moths. I mean, we're seeing two to three patients a, a day um, for the last several weeks for um, brown tail moth rashes. So what, um, when should a person make an appointment with their medical provider, whether it comes to a tick bite or brown tail moth, at, at what point do we make that phone call and come and see you or, or one of the other doctors? Yeah. Um, so that's a good question. The phone call, you know, anytime you're concerned, you know, if you, if you got something that's on your mind, we have great nurses who do triage and, and can answer a lot of questions. Um, you know, we do have uh, physicians on call basically 24 seven. Um, so if, if you're a patient of ours and, you know, something's going on in the middle of the night, you know, you can call and get a hold of one of the physicians. It may not be your personal doctor, but we do have physicians on call. Um, but as far as a tick goes, the CDC has guidelines as far as, you know, when we would treat, there is a kind of a pre-treatment, you know, prevention for Lyme disease. It's a one-time dose of doxycycline, but there are criteria for you to, for us to prescribe it. The tick has to be on for, it has to be a, a deer tick if we know. Um, it has to be attached for 36 hours or more. And then, um, and then we, um, look at prescribing that medication and you don't, and you have to have not any allergies or problems why we couldn't give you the doxycycline. Um, and it, it can, it's supposed to be able to prevent, be a prophylaxis for Lyme disease, but, um, you know, it's not for any tick. You know, if you have the big dog tick, it's, it's not recommended to do that. And then if the tick hasn't been on for more than 36 hours, 
it is not recommended because it takes that much time for the uh, bacteria to get into your bloodstream. So the bacteria is a, a spirit feeder, a little spiral type bacteria. It lives in the gut of the tick and it takes time for the blood from, from your body to get into the gut of the tick. Basically the bacteria has to wake up and then crawl out of the tick's mouth into your body. That takes about a day and a half of attachment before that actually happens. So if you if you wake up in the morning and took a shower and you knew you had a tick or were tick free completely and then you come home and then you find a tick on the back of your knee that night and it's barely attached or attached and it has a little bit of blood, you usually don't have to worry about it. Um, there might be a little bit of redness or from where the tick was, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's Lyme or a Lyme rash. Um, so, but again, if you have any concerns, you know, we're definitely there to ask answer any of your questions as far as the tick bite goes. Excellent. All right. So there's a couple of things that I have to mention. First of all, I totally appreciate your use of a pun. Um, when you said you've had a rash of appointments that I just can't let that go without saying. Um, amazing. Good job. I will try to remember that when talking about ticks in the future. Um, second of all, you were talking about um, seeing patients with embedded ticks. Now, what happens if I'm coming in for an appointment, I've had a tick bite, but the tick isn't physically still attached. As a doctor, do you want me to save that tick and bring it in with me? You can. I mean, it helps us identify whether it's a deer tick or not, if that's something we're, we're concerned about. If you're definitely concerned about Lyme, um, which is mainly most people seek treatment for uh, or come to the doctors because they're worried about the Lyme disease. So we can look at it and say, yeah, this definitely is not a, a, a deer tick, but if it's kind of mangled and, and things like that, then it's a little bit harder for us to to identify and, and none of us are really entomologists. So we're, <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best guess and, and sometimes we'll use Google to try to identify and, and see if we, if, if we can figure it out. But um, I have had a couple people bring in ticks and then um, some people will send off their ticks to humane to be tested. Um, I've had a patient that um, she had it attached or he or she had it attached and um, they sent off to humane. It did come back positive for babesiosis, but we tested the patient and she didn't, they didn't have it. So, um, you know, just because a tick has that particular disease doesn't mean it's been long enough for you to get it. But again, it can be a little reassurance if you did send a tick off and it didn't have anything, then you can be sure that you don't won't get anything from the tick. Exactly. Thank you so much for just all that you guys do. It, it amazes me the scope of beyond just your, your normal medicine, so to speak. Um, let's talk about brown tail moths for a second. Um, when patients present to you, obviously you're seeing evidence of the brown tail moth and it's, it's very uncomfortable as I understand, like an itching, burning type of thing. What, what is the treatment for that? What do you do when someone comes to you with brown tail moth um, issues? Unfortunately, there's not a whole, whole lot. Um, I mean, it's more of a symptomatic care than, than anything. Um, it's really itchy, the, the hairs and the toxins. Um, you guys don't have a whole lot of poison ivy up here, but in Indiana and uh, yeah, especially Indiana where I'm from, they had a lot of, we had a lot of poison ivy and that's kind of what, where I kind of see this as being is that you come in contact with, with it, it's really itchy. Your body just has to get over the itchiness. Um, sometimes it can take several days. Sometimes it can take up to a couple of weeks. 
and um and just like some people like in indiana they come in contact with the poison ivy leaf they just get a little rash itchiness where it was other people they get in contact and they break out all over and i've seen you know people with areas of rash that are would not normally come in contact with the air you know in their thighs or their back or stomach they were wearing shirts and things like that but they still have the rash the hairs may have gotten under there but may have also just been they're just extremely allergic or having a reaction to this so a lot of what we'll prescribe is topical symptom relief doug our local pharmacist at seaside has um, got a little concoction that we have of, of a steroid uh, benadryl cream and menthol and it really seems to work pretty well um, if they do contact, uh, that's prescription, um, but he also has an over-the-counter remedy with uh, lidocaine, aspirate lidocaine cream, and Benadryl he'll recommend to people, and that sometimes can help. But adding, I think, the steroid, because I've had some people that'll try that first, and the itch is just not quite there. Um, so we add that steroid, and usually that kind of helps get everything under control. Um, sometimes maybe taking an allergy medicine like Allegra or Claritin over the counter may help with the itch as well because a lot of the reaction is just your body's releasing histamine and, and kind of an allergic type reaction. Sure. Um, wow, there's a lot to it, but we, we really appreciate you guys being there and partnering with Dog um, to provide the different levels of care. Um, and certainly, like you said, if when in doubt, it, it hurts to just give your office a call and talk through the symptoms and see um, if it would be good to be seen by a doctor and have follow-up that way. So we definitely really appreciate this. Yeah, and you're right. This is a new, a fairly new thing for us here in Maine. This was not something um, that's been an issue all along. Like you said, we don't have a lot of poison ivy, so we're just not used to these skin reactions. Um, and obviously this time of year, any itchy skin thing is gonna be seem tons worse because it's warm and humid and just seems like the perfect, the perfect storm for being uncomfortable. So we're, we're glad you're there to help with that. Yeah, now, um, go ahead. Uh, definitely seems like this year has been a lot worse. So, um... And, you know, I don't know if it's just that there's been more caterpillars about, um, from what I've read on the CDC, that the toxins in the, on the hairs can live in the atmosphere or in the environment for up to two years. So, you know, if you've had a tree taken down or a tree that had a lot of leaves falling and you're raking or, or cut it mowing, that can stir up those toxins. So you just have to be pretty careful to, to know if you've, in an area that had them before, even if you got rid of the trees or destroyed, it can be still there too. So, um, you know, just making sure you're taking off your clothes right after being outside, washing them, and then taking a shower, trying to get rid of the hairs as, as much as possible, as quickly as possible, I think can somewhat be effective. That's all really good to know. And um, it gives us a little control back that there, there are steps that we can take um, and that the rash is not inevitable. Now, let's do a complete 180 in this conversation, and let's talk a little bit about acupuncture. So what is acupuncture? So acupuncture is an ancient Chinese medicine um, therapy that's a way of healing using meridians. Meridians are kind of these rivers of energy. Um, the Chinese call it qi. Um, 
and then acupuncture points are a way to tap into those river and, and kind of direct the rivers into places of healing or um, or re relieve stagnation and kind of open things up. Um, there are several different styles of acupuncture. Um, there's uh, five elements, which kind of basically looks at you know body types and and your types of things you like to eat and kind of puts you in a category of wood, fire, earth, metal, water, and then based on what your element is, see where you're deficient and use points to kind of bolster those. There's a pulse diagnosis, there's facial diagnosis. Um, there's also a Japanese style acupuncture, um, which is what I'm trained in. And it's more of a palpatory based diagnosis. There are certain points we palpate will um, as far as reflection goes, if those are tender, we'll use other points to that will palpate to see if that releases that tenderness before we actually put a needle in. So we're, we're kind of knowing that that point is going to work before we use a needle in it, whereas some of the other ones are, are more theory based. Um, this should work for this problem, so I'll put the needles in, but it doesn't always necessarily, you're not always sure that it's going to work. Um, in Japan, the acupuncturists for, for the longest time were blind. Um, you couldn't be an acupuncturist unless you were blind. So they developed this way of feeling the patient and touching the patient and knowing, you know, these acupuncture points are going to work. And Kiko Matsumoto is the, the master that we're learning from or the, her style, but she learned from, she's not blind, but she did learn from a blind master. Um, wow, that is fascinating. What? What a different way to think about things. Um, what what kinds of things is acupuncture used to treat? I mean, most commonly people think about pain and, and it is pretty effective for pain, but it can also treat, I mean, almost anything that Western medicine can treat, it can help um, and then also can treat. Some things are a little bit more unexplained or Western medicine scratching his head. I don't know why this is happening. You have these symptoms but every test we've run is, is, is normal. So um, sometimes it can be a meridian type system and, and can help treat that. But I mean, really it can help treat anything, but it's not always a replacement for Western medicine. If somebody has diabetes and their pancreas is no longer making insulin, I can't use acupuncture to make that pancreas make insulin if they're type one diabetic or something like that. So, some things can make the body less resistance to sugar, but it's not going to be a, a total replacement for Western medicine, but it can augment. Um, sure. So especially in chronic pain, it can really, really sometimes replace pain relievers and things like that. Oh, okay. So is it something that um, people would have a series of treatments um, to address issues? Is it a one-time thing? Like, how does that work? Um, you, I call it powerful, but subtle. A lot of times it does take multiple treatments. Um, sometimes it's getting to the root cause. There's usually, um, in, at least in our style, there's some constitutional treatments, some baseline things that we look for that are deficiencies. We bolster those and then look for what's kind of left problem-wise. Um, sometimes it, it takes peeling away layers. You know, sometimes a neck pain may actually be a problem in the foot. And I see this a lot osteopathically that you know, you're, you've twisted your ankle, you're walking funny on the ankle, it's causing a problem in your gait with the knee, in the hip, you're straining your back, lower back, that's actually putting a strain onto your neck. You're having neck pain, but it, it's actually not a problem with the neck, it's a problem with the foot. 
and some some things go along that way with acupuncture. You're peeling away the layers to find the problem. Sometimes you get lucky and, and find the root problem the first time, and must and you can get a really good release and good treatment the very first time. Um, sometimes you you it takes it several sessions to kind of get to the the root cause. Sure, and that's that's a lesson that I've learned over and over again as a runner is that sometimes where you're feeling the pain is not actually the source of the problem. It's just the source of the problem is pulling everything else out of line and it's manifesting somewhere else. So that makes perfect sense. Um, my knee pain was not knee pain. It was actually, my hips were out of alignment and they were, they were pulling. So that, that just makes incredible sense to me. Now, what happens during an acupuncture session? Is it like a regular doctor's appointment? How, how does that work? Um, it, if I'm seeing you for the first time and I don't know you, then you, yeah, the first time will probably be, especially because we'll, um, as far as insurance goes, Medicare does cover now acupuncture for chronic low back pain, but that's the only indication they will. So if I'm seeing you the first time, we have to kind of document the chronic low back pain, you know, what treatments you've tried, those kind of things. So it may not be an acupuncture session the very first time. Um, but if, if you're, you know, patients that I've seen or, or we've got documentation or if it's something that's not the insurance isn't going to cover and we're paying, you know, a cash out of pocket, then, you know, the session usually involves, you know, me laying down, we'll act having you lay down usually need access to hands and feet some in the back um, and then I'll be palpating points um, some that are based on your circum you know if coming in for neck pain some places on the neck but also on the abdomen um, as a part of our um, training is we diagnose the hara which is the abdomen points on the abdomen that show weakness and, and things like that and then we use needles and needles will go in to wherever points are actually being found to release the problem. Um, can be the feet, can be the neck, can be um, the hands. Um, I do ear acupuncture as well, so it can be on the ears. Um, the government has a, a training program for battlefield acupuncture that they'll use in the VA system and then actually they're training their medics and their Navy SEALs and some of their um, special forces to use acupuncture in the field. And that's just a pretty good pain relieving, um, just 10 points in the ear. So sometimes if we you know, could just do that, if it's a, you know, quick in the office and, you know, hey, doctor, I've got this pain, I'll just put a few points in the ear and, and go on. <laughs> the, um, and that's not, not a true acupuncture session, but sometimes. Yeah. And these, these are tiny needles, right? Yeah. We're not talking the kind of needles that you have lab work done. No, um, those are 25 gauge. And these are like the, the typical needles for lab work, 25, 27 gauge. These are like, um, would be 30 gauge, not even 30 gauge. They're, they're just millimeters, very like hair-like needles. Okay. I'm, I'm super sensitive to needles. So I always have to get that point in. Absolutely. Even as you're talking about needles, I start to get a little woozy. So I just, I picture them very small, very small. Um, so how, how long does an acupuncture session usually take? Is it hours or minutes? Um, well, usually the full treatment's about an hour and a half to maybe two hours. So, um, just depends on how many needles we have to place in, but the needles go in, we'll let them set for 20 minutes to do their work. 
And then in my training, we usually flip them over for a second on the back, um, set some other needles, and those usually are there for 15 minutes or so. In general, um, probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half total, um, depending on if it's your first visit or not, um, and you know how many problems or how many needles we're actually needing to get things done. Um, some of if if it's kind of like the ear acupuncture just in for the battlefield that that can be you know just 10 minutes or so like that um so that can be pretty quick sure you mentioned um that medicare pays for acupuncture for one um diagnosis do you find that other insurances cover acupuncture um most do not i know main care does not um even though the the government the cms which is a government body deciding what medicare and medicaid will cover has both said medicare and medicaid could cover that but i don't think main care has adopted that um other insurances if, if you've got like a golden plan a lot of times they will cover um but the more basic plans they do not um our health system has has a fairly reasonable cash price that um, if you pay at the time of service, they'll deduct up to 25% off the what the bill would be. And I think it w works out to be about $70, 60, $60 to $70 for um, one session. Um, if we don't flip you over, um, they bill basically by, if you flip you over and put needles in the back, then that's an, another charge. And I think if we do the full session, I think it's about $100. Very nice. Um, hopefully at some point insurances will catch up. And honestly, I, I appreciate you so much for bringing the service here. Um, obviously it's not something that everyone will take advantage of, but I feel like it's such a bonus to have it available for those who want to pursue it um, and to have it done right at their doctor's office is just incredible. When, when do you think, no, you're in school right now still, but when do you think you will start providing this service for patients of the practice? Well, we actually already have. Um, oh. So yeah, I've, I've actually started doing that, um, started at the end of May-ish. Um, so I've had a few different patients that um, have started that um, and then finishing up at the end of June but our um, health system was, was gracious enough to allow me to start a little bit before finishing up the class entirely. So, um, and just one caveat for Medi Medicare, it has to be a licensed physician to provide the acupuncture services or someone that is a uh, master trained acupuncturist. So somebody that's been through a course that's not master trained, then uh, Medicare won't cover it. So it does limit a little bit, because um, I know some of the local area, I don't, I think some of the local area acupuncturists may not be master trained. Um, sure. So, so they, and then of course they have to accept insurance from Medicare and some of them don't in general. So, um, you know, kind of, I guess that's put me at a unique spot as far as being- Absolutely. To, to be able to provide that for our Medicare patients. You're, you're a commodity. We, it's a valuable commodity and we love it. So let's say that I see another doctor, which is the case for me. Um, mm -hmm. I see Dr. Zelnick, um, but I do want to have acupuncture services. How do I get an appointment for that? Um, just call the office and, and say, I mean, we don't usually, we don't need a referral or, or anything like that. Um, 
again, if it's if I've never seen you before and it's through Medicare, just for the documentation, we may set up an appointment just to discuss the back pain, what all things have been done and whether or not acupuncture will probably be beneficial for you or not. And then set up a session later, probably for the acupuncture. Um, that way we can make sure that, it, you know, you don't get charged for it later. Um, sure. But, you know, if you're, you know that your insurance isn't going to cover it and then, you know, just calling for the office for an appointment. Um, our phone number is 207-367-2311 for anybody that wants to call the office. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes too. Although I have to say, I think probably a good portion of the island already has that number on speed dial. Right. So <laughs> that's a pretty well-known number, but it's one that we all memorize pretty quickly. So what would you say over the course of your education in this, what's the most surprising thing um, that you've come across in terms of studying acupuncture and the theories behind it? I guess the, it's that I've been able to kind of explain some of the unexplainable for patients um, that probably wouldn't have been explainable um, prior to, to studying it. So I've had a patient that has TMJ really bad. And they were asking, well, sometimes when my TMJ is flaring up, the back of my wrist is, is causing me pain. Why is that? Um, you know, prior to this, I, I don't know that I've been able to explain the answer. The, t, the face is innervated by cranial nerves. The back of the wrist is by lower neck nerves. So they're not really coming in communication. There really shouldn't be a, a reason. Um, but it just so happens that the um, triple warmer or Sanjiao, it's a, it's a meridian that's starts in the fingers that goes along the back of the wrist up to the neck and then goes right along next to the, the TMJ. So, you know, and that's easily explainable that, you know, your TMJ is causing a, a problem with the meridian and that's causing the pain in the back of the wrist. So being able to explain something like that's kind of been a little more surprising or just being and being able to think of ways that might help a person heal um, which I guess I see manipulation and, and acupuncture is not just a, a treating of symptoms, but sometimes a, a way to heal a problem because um, it can get to the root of the problem. Um, and I've been able to incorporate because acupuncture can use pressure or massage to treat the points. And so sometimes during an OMT session, I'll be able to get a little bit better treatment. You know, oh, you have shoulder pain. Let me try this point here. Oh, wow, that does relieve your pain you know, let me do some myofascial release there and, and can get a little bit better treatment. Um, I did see a, a case in Boston. I was two, there two weeks ago for um, in-person training and the, the Kiko Matsumoto was there do, treating patients. Um, it's kind of a demonstration. And at the end, she had one, one of our fellow students who was an ophthalmologist. Um, she had uh, asked for treatment. She had had chronic uveitis, um, dry eye for over since she was a kid, and, and none of the doctors could explain why. Um, but she was asking for treatment, and um, Kiko did some points that are supposed to help with tears and everything. And she did a point under the um, lip, and all of a sudden the the doctor she started just laughing. She laughed for almost like two, three four minutes straight. And, you know, we're asking, well, is that point normally you release something that causes laughter? And she's like, no, no, this has never happened before. <laughs> and finally, when the doctor calmed down, she said, the reason I'm laughing is because I haven't felt tears in my eyes for 15 years. And, and, I, and my 
eyes are wet for the very first time in like 15 years. Um, and, you know, that was just kind of, you know, a powerful moment to see what acupuncture could do just to kind of heal the body. I don't know if that'll work, you know, if she, if she continues with acupuncture in those points, if that'll, you know, conic, you know, fix the problem or not, but at very least it, it released something that let her eyes form tears that had not been there for 10, 15 years. That is incredible. And even as you were talking, it was reminding me um, of a conversation that I had with a doctor who was here for a brief time as a traveling doctor. And she's now doing work um, with acupuncture in another part of the country, specifically for people who are in recovery from substance use. Um, and not only was it valuable to help them in recovery, but it also dealt with some of the chronic pain issues um, that had caused them to turn to substances in the first place. Um, and she was really excited um, about what acupuncture can do for the field of recovery. Um, and it, it always was kind of a, a gap in services that we had here because uh, she was telling us all these great, amazing stories of things that were happening but it just as a community recovery coach, it wasn't really something that I could offer to my recoveries because there wasn't someone around here that offered those kind of things. So I can't wait to be able to, to talk your service up. Yeah. Yeah. And there are ear points. Uh, there is an NADA protocol for, um, for drug abuse and, and, and detoxing and for, you know, helping promote recovery. Um, hopefully I plan, you know, still in talking with um, maybe starting either group therapies with both a combination of, of discussion of opiates with the therapist, but also doing acupuncture ear points at that point too. So um, do a combination of, of acupuncture and therapy um, in, in a group setting to kind of help bolster everything and, and get people, you know, better control with with their addiction and as well as getting um, you know kind of better treatment altogether. Wow I'm, I'm so excited for where this is going and I can't wait to have a conversation with you in six months or even a year as we talk about how how this um, how your acupuncture practice in complement um, to your primary care practice is really impacting the island and I just I know it's all going to be good. Now, this is your day off. You've graciously agreed to record on your day off. Um, so I'm not going to keep you any longer, but I just want to end the podcast. We typically ask our guests to choose between two questions. One is, tell us about a good book that you read recently um, that everyone should read, or tell us what is bringing you joy right now. So I will, I will let you choose. Okay. Well, I haven't had much time to read other than studying for acupuncture. So um, I guess what's bringing, been bringing me joy recently has just been seeing the sunset. Um, here in Maine, we, you know, the sunset seemed to be a little bit longer, especially looking over the water. You can see reds and blues and purples and rainbows. And it seems to last, you know, almost an hour to, or two. So just being able to, you know, take us short time and just watch the sun and, and enjoy the beauty of that has been kind of the thing that's kind of been recharging my batteries lately. Thank you for bringing that up. And I'm just, I'm going to challenge my listeners to do that. If Dr. Cobb, who is serving the whole island's health needs, has a young family, if he can take a little while out of his schedule 
to enjoy the sunset, then we can all take a pause and do that as well. So that's my challenge for this week. Um, Dr. Cobb, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you for all that you do. And like I said before, I can't wait to see where it's going and talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me.